Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everybody. I think we're going to have more coming as we get started this morning, but we're glad that you're here already. Thankful that you're able to be here in God's house. And um, as we get started today, we're going to do things a little bit different this morning. I'm going to ask Bob, if he will, to come and lead us in our opening prayer before we do anything else. And uh, so, Bob, come and lead us in prayer, please. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that once again we could come to your house and worship you. We, we ask that uh, you open our ears, our hearts to the sermon that we're about to receive. Bless this church. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I don't have any... Uh, announcements that's different from anything else just that as far as we know we're going to be able to meet on Sundays from now on let's hope and pray that that's true and uh, we've heard from several people this past week and uh, some more are supposed to be here this morning I hope that they are but if not we're glad that you're here and it's uh, real good to have new people with us today and some of our people returning. And uh, so let's worship together this morning as we begin our services. My hope is built on nothing less. Let's stand together as we sing.
All right, you may be seated. Again, thank you for being here today. So let's just pray right now. Our Father, you know our hearts. You know the struggles that are there in the lives of your people. And Father, we lift these up that we've heard this morning. All of these prayer concerns. The one that's going through radiation with cancer. The ones that have had replacement of their knee or hip, I don't remember which one it was, and we pray for their healing. Ones that are in the hospital with COVID. So many needs that are on the hearts of your people here this morning. And we know you heard these, you've heard them, you're hearing them. And Father, we pray for your intervention. We pray for healing. And we know that you're able to do that. And we pray that your blessings would be upon your people. And help us to be strong and available for one another. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. I'd like for you to turn with me this morning to the book of Revelation. And we'll be reading from the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. Now I'll be reading from the Hallman translation this morning as we look at these scriptures. As we think about the church at Ephesus, we're going to be looking at each of the seven churches of Asia that are spoken about here in the book of Revelation. And I believe that as the Lord gave these messages to these different churches, that they depict, that they represent churches in all different periods of time and all different struggles, problems, or what they were facing as they did the work of God on this earth. And uh, so Ephesus is the very first one that we're going to look at. Now, hopefully I'll have a map next week that will depict these seven churches and where they're located. And uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the church at Ephesus and where it's located. You remember last week we started this series by sort of an introduction. We, we were able to look at John on the Isle of Patmos. We were able to look at the vision that he saw of Jesus Christ, of the Lord. The same one that he had lived with for 30 years prior to that time. Well, of course, John didn't know him for 30 years, did he? But Jesus lived for 30 years on the earth. And then, as he sees Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, it's not the same look that he saw when Jesus was on earth. But it was the same Jesus, wasn't it? It was the same Lord. Now, as we continue this particular study, I mentioned before that we're going to be looking at all seven of these churches. But bear in mind that these were written to literal churches. Churches that existed just like ours does here today. Where people were gathering together. Where people were worshiping the Lord. Where people were going through trials and tribulations and problems just like we do today. And so as we look at these various churches, we're going to find some things that are in those churches that depict, that remind us of what we're going through in our lives in our day and time. These churches were meeting together for worship on Sunday just like we're meeting together today. Now this first church that we're looking at in Ephesus was likely mentioned first because of its prominence as it had so many things 
there in that city that made it a topic of just about everybody's conversation. Everybody knew where Ephesus was that lived in that land, in the Roman world even. We find that its prominence was partly because of false religion, false gods. The temple to Artemis was there. And that temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, it's not in existence anymore today, but uh, it would have been something to look at. As we think about the wonders of our world today, uh, I've seen some of them. You have too. And uh, as we look at these wonders, they, they are marvelous to look at, aren't they? And this temple to Artemis would have been that way. It's believed that Ephesus had a population of around 250,000 people. That's a pretty good-sized city, isn't it? Especially in that day and time. It was a seaport. It boasted great diversities in commerce, religion, culture. Emperor worship was prominent in this particular city. And the temple to Emperor Domitian was there. Domitian was the ruler, the emperor at Rome at the time that the book of Revelation was written. And this temple to him was built during 89 and 90 A.D. And it had just been completed not very long before we find John on the Isle of Patmos, 10 years or so. Emperor worship would have been a problem for that church because they would have been coerced. They would have been pressured to worship the emperor. And that may be one of the reasons that some of these commendations were given by Christ to this particular church. Ephesus was not only the place where emperor worship and we find that temple to Artemis, but they have found evidence in this particular city through archaeological discoveries that there were many other pagans pagan deities worship during that period of time. And the church at Ephesus was standing strong for the Lord with all of this pressure to worship false gods and, and uh, uh, the emperor and all of these things. As we think about the things that we're going to look at today in Revelation chapter 2, we're going to see Ephesus laboring. But it's a labor without love. A labor without love.
Let us notice what's said here in these first seven verses. Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and have not grown weary. Now you would think, let me stop for just a moment and think about this. You would think with all of these commendations, there wouldn't be anything the Lord would have to say to this church that was bad. (laughs) But you've heard the uh, phrase about, but, but. You see that very next word. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. Wow, that's a lot said. Let us try to take some of it in today. The witness of the church is given first. He accommodates the church. He he tells them about their strengths. He's telling them about what they're doing that's right. And I would love for these things to be said about our church, wouldn't you? I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. Wow! God knows the works of our church too. Did you know that? He does. What does Hillside stand for? What is Hillside doing? How are we accomplishing the things that God wants us to do today? We need to be aware of those things. We need to think about those things. And as we're going through this, let us think about what the Lord is saying to this church and how it might apply to our church, or maybe it doesn't. Now, of course, we hope some of these things don't apply to our church because they were negative. They were things that God didn't want to have in Ephesus, but were there. So as Ephesus was standing for the truths and was being true to God with all of these influences around them, to pressure them to do wrong, he commends them for, for being a submissive church. Submissive, of course, to him. Notice again, I know your works and your labors and your endurance and that you cannot t- 
tolerate evil. Jesus spoke of their works. That which had been accomplished in the past for the glory of God. He had seen what they were doing and what they had done. How they had accomplished these things. And then labor. Literally toiling to the point of exhaustion. That's the Greek word that we have here. Labor. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word labor, I, I'm, that's not something that I want to do a, a great deal of. <laughs> because I, I think of growing up on the farm. And one of the hardest jobs that we had was cleaning out chicken houses. Now, I know you've probably never heard of anything like that, but we had to do that at least once a year. And we would go in and we would get this chicken litter, clean out the chicken house, and put that on a truck. And we didn't have a spreader. Some places had a spreader that they would put this on and they would take it out to the field and it would just scatter it all over the place. And the uh, labor that they had was loading it. And that was a job, believe me. But we didn't just have to load it. We had to get out on the field and we had to scatter it. Now that chicken litter was some of the best fertilizer that you could have. And so dad wanted that fertilizer on our fields and, and to grow our grass that uh, the cows could eat it. <laughs> and we could have milk. All of those things. Labor. Now all of us have labored at one time or another. But when we use that work... In comparison with work, the word work, work is not as strenuous in the sense that they used it here in this particular passage. They had work, they had done work, but they also labored, intensely labored for the Lord. And this shows their passion. They were passionate about the Lord. They were passionate about the things that needed to be done and, and the things that God had called them for in the city of Ephesus. And then notice that last word that he uses there, endurance. They were unrelenting in their work and in their labor. They continued, even with opposition, even with those that would try to stop them and as we look at this church we find that it wasn't just a group of Sunday morning only attenders or once or twice a year attenders you know what I'm talking about you know people that go to church on Easter and maybe on Christmas and that's all you ever see them and then you know Christians that just come on Sunday morning, but they're never there on Sunday night or Wednesday night or there for Bible study or whatever. Now, you know our situation today. 
Some of you may wonder, well, why, why aren't we having adult Bible study still? We used to have over in the other location, right? Why aren't we having Sunday night services or Wednesday night services? Well, let me tell you why. Mensa says we can't. We're allowed two hours to be in this building on Sunday morning. And they're telling us you need to have a one-hour service, and we'll give you 30 minutes to prepare and 30 minutes to get out. <coughs> That's what we're living under right now. And I know this is to keep down the spread of COVID-19. I know that. I'm not happy with it, but we comply with it because that's the rules, that's the law. And it's not to me to say, well, is it working or not working? Panama evidently has some things right because we don't see the spread of COVID-19 here like it is in some places. Have you compared it? Have you looked? When Wanda and I were back in the United States a few weeks ago, we were afraid to go a lot of places. We went, but it, we were very cautious. The city where my son lives is one of the hot spots for COVID-19 in the United States in San Antonio, Texas. And we went, we, we made two visits over there. But we made sure we had our mask on as, uh, whenever we went anywhere. We made sure that uh, we would walk into Walmart and they have these sanitizers set up at the entrance, just like they do here. And we would, that would be the first place we'd go. We'd, we'd you know, <laughs> sanitize our hands. And uh, uh, then when we would come out of a store, a lot of times there would be uh, the opportunity to use that sanitizer. And, and so, anyway, that, that's not part of my message this morning. How did I get on that? But anyway. <laughs> they were a separated church. Notice the second part of verse 2 there. I hope you kept your Bibles open to this passage of Scripture. I should have told you that a long time ago, shouldn't I? But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. They were separated from those that were doing evil. Now when we talk about separation, we're not saying that they isolated themselves. Some people do that, don't they? But that's not what he's talking about. We have contact with people that are lost and we want to influence them to come to the Lord. But we need to be separated from their practices. We don't need to do what they do. This is what he's talking about here. And then notice verse 6 where he continues his commendation in the middle of his criticism. And he says, yet you have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now we're going to talk about this more in a couple of weeks. When we talk about 
one of the other churches where he again brings up this doctrine, this practice, this group of people. And as I said, we're going to talk more about that then. But uh, the Nicolaitans were individuals that didn't have it right. And they were teaching false doctrine. And the church at Pergamos had these people among them. So when we get to that church in a couple of weeks, I'm going to look at this a little deeper and see who these people were. But notice that this church at Ephesus had nothing to do with them. This was the commendation one of the commendations that the Lord had for this church. And then let us notice that they were steadfast. Verse 3. You have persevered, persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now what were the hardships? We're not told specifically, are we? We can imagine, we can, we can see the things that were going on in this city, we can see what they were having to contend with, we can know that they were having to endure some persecution, some problems. And the Lord commends them for doing that, for persevering. We don't use that word a whole lot, <laughs> persevering. Just being steadfast, being immovable, doing the things that God wants us to do. They refused to be defeated. They fully trusted in the Lord as He led them in the things that they were to do. And if that was all we had to say about this church, we would think this church was one of the greatest churches that ever existed. And maybe we could still say that, even though the Lord has some things against them. But one of the things He has, one of the main things He has against them is bad. So let us notice verse 4. He says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, I wonder today how many of us the Lord could say the same thing to. They had left the love that they had at first. They had abandoned their priority. Abandoned the place where they were at one time as they served the Lord. So let's think about that for just a moment. The love that they had. He, he names it. It's the love that they had. Remember when you were first saved? Think about that for just a moment. What was one of the first things you wanted to do? <laughs> I remember my salvation. And I probably told you this before. But I had a first cousin. His name is Leonard. Leonard and I did everything together. And we got into a lot of trouble together. 
we were in the same class in school. And anyway, I, I won't tell you some of those things. Anyway, you just imagine, can't you? But when I got saved, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, the first person that came to my mind was Leonard. I knew Leonard was lost. I knew he was. Now, his dad was a Baptist preacher. My dad's brother, a Baptist preacher. But I knew Leonard was lost. I knew he wasn't saved. And the Lord put on my heart that I needed to reach him, that I needed to go and talk with him, that I needed to try and persuade him to become a Christian. But you know what? I didn't do it. I didn't. And years later, when Leonard was grown, married, had children of his own, and lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he had gone to a revival service one night at a church, and he was under conviction. He knew he was lost. He knew he needed to be saved. And he drove all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma to his dad's, which is about 100 miles, so that his dad could show him from the Scriptures what he needed to do to be saved. Could that preacher in Oklahoma tell him? Sure. But he wanted his dad to show him. And Leonard was saved that, that night or that next morning as he made that journey to his dad's. Well, I heard about that and it convicted me because I had not told Leonard and he was the first one that God laid on my heart. But what I was trying to bring up here is that we had a greater love for the Lord when we were first saved maybe, than what we have today. And if that's true, then we too have abandoned the love that we had at first. And if that's true, we need to repent. We need to turn back to the Lord. Now let us notice the warning that God gives to this church because of their abandoning their first love. Verses 5 through 7. He says, consider. Consider. We need to consider our situation today, don't we? But notice, consider how far you have fallen. How far? Is it a long ways today from the time when we were saved that we have fallen from the love that we had for the Lord at that time? Consider how far you have fallen. And then they needed to not just consider it, but they needed to repent. 
Repent and do the things you did at first. A genuine reminder of the former relationship that they had. And that ought to help us see how far we have fallen and how much we need to regain to be in God's good standing, to be back where God wants us to be. Thinking about those things ought to bring repentance. And then, Jesus commended them for another thing that they were doing in verse 6. We're not going to look at that anymore today. But then Jesus told them to do the things you did at first. Do the things that you did at first. Verse 5. Why is it that churches have grown stagnant? Have grown cold? Aren't doing more for the Lord? It's because the membership of that congregation doesn't have the love that they had at first doesn't have the love that motivated them and caused them to be the strong church they had been in the past. And then notice he talked about removing. If you do not repent, verse 5, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I think this is a very serious indictment that the Lord is bringing to this church. I think He's telling them you'll cease to be a New Testament church. You'll just be an organization, an entity that doesn't have God's blessings. And so, As they considered these things, he reminded them about redemption. Notice verse 7. He says, Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give to the victor the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. Now, we don't have time to look at that in detail today. But the only ones who can eat of that tree of life are those that have Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's redemption. And he says, to those that have an ear to hear, let him hear. Some didn't have an ear to hear. There were some in that church that didn't listen, didn't have an ear to hear, didn't know the things that God was talking to them about. It may be today that there are some in our midst who don't have God's salvation. You can't have the love of God in your heart if you don't know Him as your personal Savior. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. That's the thing that's needed in your life more than anything else. Come to Jesus Christ for His salvation and He will abundantly pardon, the Bible says. 
Maybe that there are those here today that have grown cold in their service to God. You don't have your first love. You need to repent and come closer to God. I don't know your heart today, but God does. What is it that He's convicting you about? We're going to have our closing hymn, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And if it is today that you're needing His salvation, or if you need to be closer to Him than what you have been in the past, make that known today. I would like to show you from the Word of God what you need to do to be saved if you don't understand what to do. I would love to show you. And that's, as I said, the greatest need that an individual can have. But as we stand together and we sing this hymn, would you respond as the Lord would lead you? Listen to the words. That makes me white as snow. No other sounds I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
Thank you for being here today. Dale, if you would, make your way to the front, and he's going to lead us in our closing prayer. Any other word or announcements now before we have our closing prayer? I know that you'll be in prayer for our church. Be in prayer for our services next Sunday. And we will continue this particular study. Dale, lead us, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together, worshiping you in your house. Lots of things are wrong, wrong with this world these days, and there's not much we can do about them. But we know that you will guide us through this. You will save those of us who love you and worship you. And that's what we pray for. We pray for the nation that we live in, the world that we live in. But we know that only you can do what you can do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.